Again, we are in a series that we are unpacking our new vision and direction for TFRC. Jesus sent his disciples into the world in the power of the Spirit and basically told them, go change the world. And they did. The world has never been the same. And they went to the world with two central convictions. Now, those convictions were not love God and love your neighbor. Those are the two greatest commandments. They are <laughs> super, supremely important. But um, that was not what drove the early church. What drove the early church was that the gospel is real and the gospel changes everything. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus rose from the dead. It was something that actually happened and it changes everything. And the early church went into the world believing those two things about the gospel and the world has never been the same. And so they will be central to who we are and what we do. We will hold firmly to these two convictions. We will rally around them. And every time we gather, every time we come here to worship, we will be reminded that the gospel is real and the gospel changes everything. And because the gospel is real and changes everything, there are eight distinctives that we will live by. These eight directives will drive everything we do. Biblical obedience, spirit-led, safe haven, meeting Jesus, transformed lives, missional impact, future-focused, ever-expanding. Now, uh, we found it convenient that we have eight directives and an octagon with eight walls. And so we put up each one of the directives on one of the walls in the octagon. Uh, when you go in the octagon as you uh, leave this morning, uh, look up. Um, this morning, we will focus on the directive of missional impact. Missional impact. We develop relationships to bridge gaps as we reach out into the world. We seek to bless in the name of Christ. We want people to experience the love of God in practical ways. Our mission is local, it's regional, it's global, uh, and we intentionally cross-racial and socioeconomic and geographical boundaries to reach as many people as we can in mission. And we actively stand up for what is right by being hands-on with our help to others. And developing relationships will be central with those we partner with in mission and with those that we are called to bless. Uh, the passage this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn there, or you can look it up on your phones. Uh, 1 Corinthians is about halfway through the New Testament. Uh, you have the four Gospels, and then the book of Acts, uh, and then Romans, and then 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in a city called Corinth, Corinth is located in modern-day Greece. Uh, the church in Corinth was founded by the Apostle Paul. He wrote several letters to that church. Two of those letters are part of the New Testament. Um, our scripture reader this morning is Melissa Perez. So I'm going to ask Melissa to go ahead and make your way on up towards the podium. And as she does so, I'm going to ask if you're able, please stand and face the center of the room. Uh, we read from the center of the room to remind us that Scripture is to be central in our lives, and we stand because we believe this is the Word of God. And so, Melissa, whenever you are ready, please read from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. 
Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, as to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not clear under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Melissa, thank you very much. You may be seated. Okay, I'm kind of a sucker for worthless information. Um, you know, for example, I love learning about the origin and history of all sorts of things. I love learning about the origin of certain phrases. Um, I like learning about interesting backgrounds of famous people. Um, I love learning about how certain products came into existence. Recently, I learned about the history of a product that all of us know, all of us love, a product that we could not survive without. It is a vital part of our lives. I'm, of course, talking about duct tape. Duct tape. We can't live without duct tape, all right? Now, there were some forerunners to duct tape in the early 20th century, but the duct tape that we know today really came to be during World War II. Uh, there was an Illinois mom named Vesta Stout who had two sons in the Navy during World War II. And during the war, she worked at a plant that packed and inspected boxes of ammunition. And those boxes of ammunition were sealed with paper tape, dipped in wax, and had a tab to open them. However, because the tape was flimsy, the tabs often tore off so the soldiers couldn't quickly open their boxes if they found themselves under fire. And so she suggested using a strong cloth tape. Now, none of her supervisors listened to her, so she wrote a letter to the President of the United States. She wrote a letter to FDR, and he eventually forwarded the idea to the War Production Board, and her idea was approved, and duct tape has been a part of our lives ever since. Um, and we use it for everything. Now, Vesta Stout had a vested interest in making sure the tape used on the ammunition boxes worked. She had two sons in the Navy, and she saw that something better needed to be done because what was being done wasn't really working. Now, just like the early church, we are called to reach out in mission to the world. And like Vesta Stout, it is good to look around and ask, does something better need to be done? And then adapt to it. Because the sad part of the story of duct tape was it took a letter to the President of the United States to adapt to what needed to be done, and we're talking about tape. Um, when it comes to making a missional impact, we need to be ready to adapt to what needs to be done. And our goal is to win others to the faith. As Paul wrote in verses 22 and 23, where it says, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. 
I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Winning others to the faith includes helping those in need, showing compassion, um, you know, being kind, all sorts of good and worthy endeavors. But those good and worthy endeavors are not the goal. The end goal is to win others to the faith. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are called to be a light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. However, a city on a hill could imply that we can be a light from far away. But Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds. I have heard the saying that you can impress from a distance, but you can only make an impact from up close. You can impress from a distance. You can only impact up close. The, if we want to make a missional impact so others will come to faith in Jesus, well, the closer we get to people, the more of an impact we can make. The closer the light gets, the greater it shines. The closer we are, the greater the impact. The more that we get to know people, the closer that we get to them, the more we will realize not everyone is the same. We need to reach people where they are at in life. Paul talks about becoming all things to all people. How do we become all things to all people so that we might win some? Well, let me just give you some ABCs of becoming all things to all people. First, we must be ready to adapt. Adapt to who people are. Uh, going back to the passage from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, just looking again at verses 20 to 22, where Paul says, To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. Paul says to the Jews, I became like a Jew. Now the Jews observed a stricter set of what I'm just going to call rules. They had laws for what they could eat, who they could associate with, various ceremonial laws, and for many of us, those kinds of rules are rather foreign. And Paul himself said that he was not under the law. So those rules really didn't apply to him anymore either. But he said, I will become like a Jew to win the Jews, meaning he will follow the law if it would help him win the Jews. In Acts chapter 16, we read about Paul came to Derby, it says, and then to Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, um, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. And the believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him, meaning Timothy. 
Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, and so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Paul wanted Timothy to be an effective leader in the church, and while Timothy didn't need to be circumcised, he was anyway, because that would give Timothy credibility with the Jews. We have Muslim neighbors here in Twin. Um, Muslims don't eat pork. So if you ever find yourself eating with a Muslim, don't eat pork. Uh, we have LDS neighbors here in Twin. They have certain rules about what they drink. If you know those rules and find yourself sharing a meal with them, refrain from drinking those things in their presence. Sometimes we have to adapt to stricter rules if we want to win some to the gospel. And then sometimes you have to adapt to looser rules. It is not uncommon for me to be um, in conversation with those who don't go to church. And when I have some of those conversations with people who have no church affiliation, uh, it is not uncommon for those conversations to be laced with profanity. Now, just because I follow Jesus doesn't mean I'm the language police, okay? Now, I'm careful to watch my language. It wouldn't make any sense for me to join in the profanity but even if someone drops the F-bomb, I'm not the language police. And it's not because I enjoy profanity, I don't. But I want others to be comfortable talking to me. I don't need them to censor their language. I will ignore the profanity in order to increase my witness. Now let me be clear. I'm talking about conversations with those outside the church. If conversations inside the church include profanity, well, then I might say something. You know, I, I don't want to hear profanity in the octagon, okay? But sometimes you play by stricter rules and sometimes by looser rules. So in order to win some, what rules do you need to abide by more? And what rules do you need to let go of a little bit? So we adapt to become all things, and we build bridges to become all things. We build bridges to become all things. Now, building bridges is simply finding common ground. It's simply finding common ground. Going back to verse 19 in the passage, where Paul writes, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And in this context, Paul isn't talking about being a literal slave. What he's talking about is I am going to meet everybody wherever they happen to be in life. I'm not going to make them come to me. I'm going to go to them and meet them where they are. And using the language of slavery, Paul is just talking about bridge building. Now, the first step in being a servant is you have to know who you are serving. That's kind of important. The first step in bridge building is knowing who you are trying to build a bridge with, which means we are going to be asking more questions, not necessarily prepared with a bunch of answers. It's a tell-me-more-about-you approach. What do you do? Where are you from? What are your hobbies? Do you have a family? What interests you? That's step one. Step two is connecting with them with common ground. 
So for me, if you've ever lived in the Midwest or California, or if you like sports, if you've gone to college, or if you golf, or if you've ever been to Florida, or you like Disneyland, or if you're close to my age, or if you have kids in college or high school, or if your kids went to Perrine or Stewart or Canyon Ridge, I have common ground with you. Uh, in Acts chapter 17, it tells a story about Paul in Athens, and I'm just going to read a portion of that story to you. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. And then Paul uh, stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and all this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Paul was upset about all the idols in the city of Athens, but he didn't use that as a reason to condemn those in the city. He used it as an opportunity to build a bridge. A, a month ago, I met a young couple here in church. It was right here in the worship center. Um, they were a new young couple here at church, and they were from Minnesota. And so I just asked them, I said, hey, are you guys Vikings fans? And they were. I did not condemn them for being Vikings fans, okay? There happened to be in the room at the time three different people who were Vikings fans. And so I pointed them out. I said, oh, those are Vikings fans, there's Vikings fans. Oh, they're people. those people are Vikings fans. I was simply trying to build a bridge. I was getting my hair cut a couple weeks ago. And the person cutting my hair asked about my kids. So then, you know, you reciprocate. And I asked her about her kids. And she has three kids, just like I have three kids. And her kids' age were 22, 20, and 17, the exact ages of my three kids. So you can guess, guess what we talked about during the entire time of my haircut. Finding common ground. That's step two. And then the third step of bridge building is, hey, are there needs that can be met? I have shared before how my wife and I volunteered for years in the school district. Why? To, br to build a bridge. Uh, we do Christmas assistance every year here. Why? To build a bridge. We partner with the Mustard Seed, which does a great job meeting needs in the community. Why? To build a bridge. All of our missions are building bridges. It could even be as simple as connecting with kids when you volunteer at the Harvest Extravaganza on Wednesday. It's all about bridge building. So in order to win some, what common ground do we need to find? And what needs can be met? We adapt, we build bridges. Now some of you could be thinking, are you just saying we should simply just follow the culture, do whatever the culture does? No, I'm not saying that. Because in our adapting and bridge building, we must never forget Christ's law. As Paul said in verse 21, going back to the passage just one more time, where he says, To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. Again, the two greatest commandments that Christ gave. Love God, love your neighbor. Paul does not forget the law of Christ. Now, loving your neighbor, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, and adapting and building bridges, those are two ways we can love our neighbors. But when it comes to loving God, Jesus kept it rather simple. Jesus said, if you love me, 
you will obey my commands. Adopting, adapting and building bridges does not mean violating Christ's commands. Virtues like integrity and honesty and faithfulness and self-control do not go out the window as we adapt and build bridges. We do not forget them as we reach out in mission to meet the needs of those around us. Which means as we attempt to impact those around us, it's going to take some discernment. You're going to have to make a judgment call. But how can we meet people God has called us to reach out to? How can we do that without compromising how Jesus has instructed us how to live? So as we reach out in order to honor Christ, what can't we compromise? You know, as we consider how to adapt and make a missional impact here at TFRC, allowing that directive to guide us, there are two newer opportunities I just want to mention. First is something called the Missions Perspective Class. We offered it for the first time last year. It was kind of a test run. A few from TFRC were a part of it. It was super impactful. And so we are offering it again beginning in January. Uh, missions Perspectives takes a look at missions through four different perspectives. A biblical perspective, a historical perspective, a cultural perspective, a strategic perspective. And through the class, God will speak to you about how you can increase your personal missional impact. And you're going to hear more about that as uh, January gets closer. Uh, the second opportunity I just want to mention, and you'll be hearing more about this in the weeks to come, is we all know um, what happened with Afghanistan, how after 20 years of a U.S. presence there, uh, we pulled out this summer, and that didn't go well um, for the Afghans who were uh, U.S. allies. did not go well for them. Thousands of Afghans who were U.S. allies had to flee for their lives and are now refugees. Some of those Afghan refugees are coming to Twin Falls. And so we are communicating with the Refugee Center how we could help some of those Afghan refugees. And you'll be hearing more about how we can make a missional impact on them by reaching out, bridging gaps, developing relationships with them in practical ways. TFRC has a strong history of making a missional impact locally, regionally, globally. We partner with nearly 30 different mission organizations, and we want to lean into developing relationships with those we are trying to reach out to. And the opportunities for us keep coming. God is faithful in providing chances for us to make eternal impacts on countless people who do not know Jesus. And as we grow in our faithfulness to adapt and build bridges and honor Christ, the potential for what God will do through us is beyond what we can comprehend. The opportunities just keep coming and coming and coming. Let's make the most of them. Please pray with me. And Lord, we um, are just really grateful for all the opportunities that you keep bringing to us. Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of TFRC throughout the years to respond to your call to reach out in mission in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I would ask that you would put on each of our hearts personally someone who we could reach out to 
and adapt and learn who they are, to find common ground with them, to see how maybe we can meet some of their needs. Lord, to make an impact on them, ultimately for the glory of Jesus. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Paul, in another letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth, uh, left them with this blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.